Let's get into the Word this morning because I know we're already like, you've already taken up 22 minutes of my sermon. And, uh, <laughs> and this has been a great morning. Woo! It, ha- it just, I'm telling you, I'm just so excited for our youth. Uh, what's going to take place in the weeks and the months and the years to come, uh, what God is going to do through them. But I want to close our series on stories of faith uh, this morning. Uh, originally, I was going to preach on David, and the Lord said, no, just uh, you've already covered pretty much everybody, and there are a lot of similar circumstances. So today, I'm going to talk about the faith of the nameless. Say the nameless. nameless. But before we get there, I want to uh, cap uh, just recap uh, uh, recap uh, last week and then uh, touch part of this verse 32 through 35. So if you have your Bibles, we're back in Hebrews 11, New King James Version, uh, verse 32. And what more shall I say? The writer of Hebrews says this. For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets. So he's, these are the named people who, through faith, say through faith. All this chapter has been about through faith. They subdued kingdoms, they worked righteousness, <clears throat> they obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, they quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, and when women received their dead, raised to life again. Just stop right there. That, that's the name. We've already, here's the name so far in Hebrews. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Joseph, Moses, and Rahab. Then our passage today, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel. And then I made mention of Joshua, even though he wasn't even named when I preached about uh, the, on Pentecost Sunday about crossing into the promised land. So let's look briefly at the ones he mentions today, just so I, won't, I don't want to slight any of these uh, saints. So Gideon, we talked about Gideon last week, destroyed idols. He was hiding out in a wine press. God called him a mighty man of valor. And he led the army, and he, God just whittled his army down to almost nothing so they could, he could show his, his power through, through, through Gideon. But then Gideon, he also said, God, I need a sign. I need a sign. I need a sign. And he did some bad things later on in his life. Okay, then there's Barak. He led the people of Israel in this great victory over the Canaanites. But he had to have Deborah there pushing him all the time. He all had to, you know, how many of you guys need your wife to push you? My wife pushes me a lot. In, in a good way, in a good way. She's, she, she's a spiritual uh, pusher. That sounds like a drug, drug dealer. Uh, <laughs> they didn't even call them pushers anymore. That was in my day, you know. But we need, we need people that are there and say, look, come on, you can do it, come on. And, and they push you. So then there's Samson. We all, if you don't know about Samson, you don't read, this dude was crazy. Okay, had the long hair, he would have been like fit right into the Jesus revolution. Buff, I mean, he was buff. God gave him supernatural strength. And God had this great plan for his life, but he messed it up royally. He let one woman talk him into getting his hair cut. When he got his hair cut, he lost his strength. And Philistines came and they took him and plucked out his eyes and made him, you know, he was like, it's the saddest ending to a man that had great faith at one time. Then you have Jephthah. I, I was reading about Jephthah. He's <clears throat> kind of an interesting guy, but he was used of God to defeat this, the army of the Ammonites. And yet, he made this stupid vow. You know, we're not supposed to make vows. You understand that. He made this vow. This is whoever whoever uh, comes in, walks through the door of my house when we're coming back from battle, uh, I'm going to sacrifice whoever comes out that door and a burnt offering to the Lord. And it was his daughter who walked out the door. 
But yet God puts him in this hall of faith. See, and then finally you have, and not finally, but you have David. And well, most everybody knows about David, but maybe you don't. But he was a shepherd boy, and God said, you're going to be king of Israel. And he brought the kingdoms together. And yet David messed up royally too. It had to be a woman. Yeah. Bed, bath, and beyond. It was, it was Bathsheba. And he messes up because he's not doing what he's supposed to do. And he goes and gets his woman. And he's, he's already married. And she has, he, has, he has a kid. The kid dies. I mean, then after that, his whole family was messed up. Read about these guys. If, if you haven't studied them, read about them. And then we have Samuel. Samuel, like, well, what are you going to find wrong with Samuel? Samuel was a great man of God, wasn't he? He turned a lot of people to the Lord. But he, his own family, his own family, his own sons, listen, his own sons, they walked in rebellion. They took bribes and they perverted the ways of the Lord. And yet, here, all of these people made the hall of faith. So what is, what is God trying to tell us through this chapter? You don't have to be perfect to have faith. And sometimes your faith may not be great faith, but God would rather you operate in some faith than no faith at all. And he would love for you to, even when you mess up, to repent and get back where you're supposed to be and walk the walk of faith. Not all of these guys actually got back to where they were supposed to be. And yet God says, by faith, through faith, they did these incredible things. But today we're going to move on to the nameless. Say the nameless. <clears throat> Second part of verse 35. Others, say others. Yes. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Okay, okay what does that even mean? Others were tortured. Now, these are, oh, these are pre-Jesus people, okay? Others were tortured, and they didn't accept deliverance. In other words, Apparently, what this means is they could have recanted their faith and then they would have been okay. They would have been delivered. They would have been set free. You know, what it reminds me of is what happens so much in our, in our world today, especially in the Middle East, where people that are converted from Muslims to Christianity and then they're threatened with their lives if they don't recant and say, no, 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 you made a mistake believing in Jesus Christ. And so if you'll just say, no, I don't believe in Jesus and I believe in Allah, and then, then they're okay. But you know what they'll do? They'll say, no. No, I will die for Jesus. We don't even know what that's like. We don't know about those threats, but it's happening. It's, in real, it's real in our world today. Do y'all believe that? Yes. And so they, they, they were tortured, but they didn't accept deliverance because they knew that there was a better resurrection. They had this faith that could see in the future. We don't even understand the kind of faith that these people had to have that God was going to deliver them. They didn't have to count on somebody else bringing them a, a, a new life, a resurrected life after they were crucified, after they were tortured and killed in the name of God. But look what Jesus said in John 5, 28, speaking to the Jews. He said, do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. You know, we don't talk about much as preachers that everybody gets resurrected. <clears throat> everybody comes back to life. Everybody. Because when I preach a funeral, that's always about, you know, that Jesus said you will never die. If you'll live and you will never die, you're, you, will, you have eternal life. But guess what? The lost people have eternal life too. It's just not in a good place. Everybody's going to live forever. You know, if, if people that, if there wasn't a, um, a hell, I can see where people go, well, that's okay. I'm just going to live it up right here. And when I die, it's, it's done. 
And, and Christians go, well, yeah, but that's not a good way to live because if you live for Christ and you die, you have an eternal life. Yeah, 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 but it may, that may not happen, so I'm just going to live it up here. And there, there's, there's no afterlife. I can see how people could kind of resolve that in their heart and say, yeah, I'm just going to live it up. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to live for me. But listen, the Bible is very clear about that there is an afterlife for everybody. There's going to be a judgment. I, I believe that every, I don't believe anybody actually is in hell yet. And that, that's just my theology. I believe that everybody that has died so far and that are not believers are in a holding place because I believe there is going to come a great judgment and God's going to separate everybody. And he's going to say, you, hell, you, heaven. Uh, that's just what I believe the Bible teaches. And that may be, may be, I don't even think the devil's been to hell. I think he's here. <laughs> you know, he lives on earth. He's roaming to and, for, to and from about, about the earth, seeking whom, seeking whom he may what? Devour. But he's going to go there someday. And he's going to live there for eternity. And all the people that have dissed Jesus and said no to Jesus, said, I don't believe in that. They're going to live there with him for eternity. And some people, well, it's, oh, is it flames? Oh, I don't know. I just know it ain't going to be good. Because you're going to be separated from God. That's, that's the worst thing about it. You're going to be in darkness. It may be a fire that you can't see in darkness. I mean, what, else, what could be worse than that? Oh, we're just going to go party in hell. There ain't going to be kegs in hell. There's not going to be a party in hell. They're just not. It's going to be hell. The writer of Hebrews goes on to tell that these have endured for God. You know, Mary Lou and I are, are we're going to teach on the gift of uh, miracles and the gifts of faith. And I was, I was reading, I, was, I think I was telling this to my wife this week. These people that you read about, a lot of them that you read about in Hebrews 11, had the gift of faith. You, you understand? It, it, was, it, was a, it was a beyond kind of faith. Because when Abraham took Isaac and put him on the altar, first time the word love was used, said, I, Abraham loved his son. First time the word, word love was used in the Bible. said he loved his son, and God said, now go kill him. But God, he's supposed to be the next generation. He's going to be, every, there's going to be thousands, millions of people are going to be born because of the seed of him, of Isaac. And God said, go kill your son. And he said, he took him to the mountain and he took him up and he laid him on this altar and he was about to stab him in, uh, with a knife or with a, yeah, with a sword and kill his only son. And the, and the angel said, stop. And you read in Hebrews that Abraham said, even if I had killed him, I believe God would have resurrected him. Now, that to me is a gift of faith. Amen. Even told the men, he said, wait here, we're going to go worship the Lord. Then we will come back to you. He had a gift of faith. And he wants us to have this kind of faith today. Hebrews 30, 11, 36. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings. Isaac endured the mocking of Ishmael. Samson was mocked at the feast by the Philistines when he was going around and around, and he finally destroyed all the Philistines for good. Then in the second verse, it says, yeah, second part of verse 36, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. Joseph was cast into prison for 13 years for his faith. King Ahab, man, Ahab and Jezebel, I mean, they destroyed Micaiah the prophet. Verse 37, they were stoned. Zechariah was stoned to death between the porch and the altar. Naboth was stoned to death by Jezebel's henchmen. Hebrews 11, 37a, they, they, uh, 37b, they were sawn in two. Woo! 
How would you like to die like that? And the only reference that they, uh, the Jewish tradition says that Isaiah, the way he was killed, the way he died, was that he was sawn in two. And I doubt that they gave him a sedative before it happened. That's faith, people. That's the kind of faith that God wants us to have. But look at verse 37. Look at the third part of, of 37. It says, and we're tempted. Now, how do you put tempted in after mocking, scourging, chains, imprisonment, stoned, sawn into, and then tempted? See, a lot of, the, a lot of, a lot of uh, people that have looked into the Bible and have studied the Bible, they, they believe that word tempted was misdefined. That it was supposed to have been that they were burned alive or branded or mutilated or strangled. But every translation I've read says tempted. Because when you're tempted, your faith has to rise above the temptation. When Jesus was in the garden, his faith had to rise above the temptation. God, God if, this cup be, if it be possible, Father, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but thine be done. That's faith. See, when you're tempted, how many of you have been tempted and your faith rose above the temptation? I hope everybody's hands go up in here. Come on. A few of you. Temptation is real. Some of you have struggled with temptation. Some of you have struggled. You've been delivered from something. A pornography or a, an addiction to alcohol or drugs or you name it. And you've, you've, you've wrestled with it and God set you free, but yet the tempter comes back and he says, oh, just one more time, just one more drink, just one more look. And there, you wrestle with it. How many of you have wrestled with a temptation that you, you've already been delivered from? And you have, you, the, your faith rises up and you say, no, 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 I'm a child of the king. I'm not going to participate with that. Faith has to rise up in you. The next one says, and they were slain with a sword. Such as the 85 priests murdered by Doeg and the prophets who were murdered in Elijah's day. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, such as the prophet Elijah. And verse 38 says, of whom the world was not worthy. That's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? The world's not worthy of people like that. You know, the world's not worthy of people like you. Oh, Really? You're the nameless people he's talking about here. We're the nameless people. Our names aren't in the book in the sense of on the written page. But we're the nameless people. We're the nameless people. And the world is not worthy. You know why the world's not worthy? Because the world hates you. The world hates me. If we can ever get a revelation what Jesus said, he said to his disciples, he said, when I leave, he said, the world is going to what? Hate you. Hate you. Oh, I don't want anybody to hate me. I just want to get along with everybody. And, and so if you're going to compromise so everybody can love you, then you're not going to be walking in the truth. That's true. If you're going to compromise your faith, so everybody can love you. See, so you can be so cool and everybody, you can be everybody's friend. I'm telling you, you're going to be compromising your faith. Because there are going to be people that don't like you if you speak the truth, even in love. They're just not going to like you. And Jesus said, that's okay. Are you okay with not being loved and liked? 
You, you really need to be this morning. You need to be okay with not being loved and liked. All these youth, if we just tell them, you know, you got through that water, it was a beautiful baptism, you're going to go back to school and everybody's just going to love you because you're going to take a stand for Jesus. No, they're not going to love you. You just need to get ready for that. And don't sit there and tell them everything's going to be easy now because it's not. You, you'll be lying to them if you say it's going to be a walk in the park. If you'd have walked in the park yesterday at Kirby Park, you'd know what I'm talking about. It's not a walk in the park if you're walking with Jesus. Because he said, you know, we don't like to talk about it much. It doesn't, it's not, it doesn't make for good preaching and popular preaching when he said that we're going to suffer with Christ. Hey, do you love Jesus? Yeah, here's a saw. I'll lay down. We're going to saw you in two. I don't even know what anybody in here would say, including me, if it had to come to that, especially if they had one of those chainsaws. <laughs> you really, you really love Jesus? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you really love him. Now, it, it's not here now, but I'm not saying it's not going to be here. Look at verse 38b. They, they wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. Are you ready to have to hide out when they come knocking on your door? We heard that you served Jesus. We saw a cross in your yard. Who are you? We got a cross in our yard. You come by at Christmas, you're going to see Jesus is the light of the world. We have signs. You, if you're walking through our, we're probably the most Christian people in our block. And I, I don't know what other people think of us. I just don't care, honestly. But some people are just, they won't even, they won't even put that on the, in their yard. They won't, I don't want people to know I'm Christian. And there may be a day when we just have to hide out. I don't know. But right now, I think you need to be shining. Okay. Verse 39, and all these having obtained a good testimony. Say a good testimony. How did they have their good testimony? Through faith. And look at the next part of that verse. Did not receive the promise. To me, that just blows me away. Sawn in two, tortured, whipped. All the worst things that could happen to you and, and they didn't see the promise. They just died. But they, they had a better testimony. They obtained a testimony. Your walk right now is obtaining you a testimony. And what is your testimony this morning? What do people think? What do they say about you? What is your life telling the world? Do they look at you? They know that they know that you're a follower of that guy named Jesus, that you're one of those crazy Christians. Do they know? Do they know that or do, or do we cower down? And when the time comes and somebody asks him, hey, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. What's what's going on? Oh, not much. And they give you an opportunity to share Jesus and you just zip it up. I don't know what they'll say. I might offend them. Well, go offend some people this week. OK, get out there and offend some people. Don't try to be popular. You know, I, I was I, actually I went to high school. 
I knew the popular crowd. I wasn't in that popular crowd. Maybe some of you were. I was kind of looking around like, Who's the, who were the cool kids in school here? <laughs> I wasn't. Wasn't on the football team. I worked. I had to leave at noon to go to work. <laughs> I had to pay for my own senior ring. Yeah, that's, how, that's sad. Isn't that sad? I wasn't popular. It wasn't for that reason that because I was a Christian. I just wasn't, wasn't one of the cool kids. But you know when a lot of kids go to school, they want to be in that group. They want to be in that clique. And I want to tell you, for the most part, when I go back to reunions, high school reunions, that same group is a mess. Just a mess. You know, you think, oh, you know, every time I saw them, they were at a party, they were getting drunk or something, and you see them 50 years later, guess what they're doing? They're partying, they're getting drunk or something. <laughs> and I think, what have you accomplished? Well, I, I've got a big house, and I've got a nice car, and I've got a big job, and Man, we just, we miss it, guys, when we think that that's what it's supposed to be. That's what life's supposed to be. And when you read scriptures like this, they did not receive the promise. And yet they died for Christ, for God, for the kingdom. See, a good testimony is not about you. It's not about our glory. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said we would receive power to become witnesses, what? To him, not of us. Witnesses to him. Whenever you're, listen, if, whenever your testimony becomes more about you than about God and what he's done in your life, then it's become pride. And I would caution you, if you have a testimony and all you want to talk about is you, then you probably messed up a little bit. If you fell for the trap that you did it, not God. When I stand here and I look around at all these people, I didn't do this. Uh-uh. This is God. This is God. I'm not capable of it. You're not either. None of us are capable of, of doing anything really good except God in us and God through us. And that's why they had this good testimony because they could see beyond what they were living, what they were going through. Revelation 12, 11, you've heard it many times. I want to read in the Amplified. And they overcame, that was the saints, they overcame and conquered him, the enemy, the devil, Satan, because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And most people stop right there because that just sounds so good. But look at the rest of it. For they did not love their life and renounce their faith even when faced with death. Are we that sold out? Jesus said, they are in the world. They're not of the world, Father. Take care of them. And they had to keep their eyes fixed on Jesus. All but one that we know of, John, who died of old age. All, but, all the rest of the 11 died horrible deaths, tortured, sawn in two, cut their, their heads were chopped off. They were crucified upside down. There's a whole, whole stories about all these men of faith, all these apostles, and how they died. Oh, yeah, the Christian life is such an easy life. It is so fulfilling. Yeah, I just love it, you know, because, yeah. They didn't get the, they didn't receive what it looked like it would be a happy ending. Okay? When Peter and John were, 
when they were walking back to, to after, this is after Pentecost, and they were walking by the gate, beautiful. Remember the man at the gate? And he's just crying, alms, alms, give me some, I just need some money. He was crippled, been crippled since birth. And Peter and John, Peter said, look, man, we have no money. I'm sure he turned his pockets out of his robe and said, they have no money in there. He said, but what we do have, we give you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And they reached down and they put their hand out and lifted the man up. And he, his strength came to his legs and he started jumping up and down and praising God and leaping and everything. And I, I just want to show you this. It says, now as a lame man, Acts 3.11, who was healed, held on to Peter and John. All the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why look so intently at us as though by our own power or our own godliness we made this man walk? They were very quick to def def deflect what the people were already sensing. Oh, this is about Peter and John. They were very quick to. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Here they go. They're just speaking so much niceties to these people. You killed Jesus. They weren't worried about their popularity. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead of which we are witnesses. And look at verse 16. And his name through faith, say faith, in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him, through Jesus, has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. We can't even take, we can't even take the glory for our own faith because it's the faith of God in us and through us. The next time you try to elevate yourself, look what I've done. Listen, stop. Just stop. Give glory to God. Always be very careful to give glory to God. Anything good that's happened in your life. It's through faith. It's through faith. Verse 39, Hebrews 11, almost done. And all of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. Where does faith come from? It comes through Jesus, right? It comes from God. This whole series has highlighted people that operated in faith against all kinds of opposition. And their ultimate goal is to honor and be obedient to God. They did not receive the promises, right? And all these, having a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. They had a good testimony, but they didn't get, they didn't see the end of it yet, right? And when he says this, we have to look at this and go, well, we've seen the promise. Shouldn't our faith be out the, out, the roof, out the roof? We've seen the promise. We have to look back to see the promise. But we see the promise by faith. You have to, by faith, we're looking back. I wasn't there at the cross. Were you, Lorenzo, were you there? No, you weren't there. Anybody at the cross 2,000-something years ago? No, you weren't there physically. You didn't see it. Anybody here in the room see Jesus resurrected? No, probably not. So how do we know? By faith. It would seem kind of ridiculous that this many people have that kind of faith. But that's God. He instills faith in his children. He gave you the faith even to believe that he's real. So we've already received the promise. Are we walking in the promise? That's the question. 
have these questions I want to ask. Are we willing to walk in faith and trust God even when we're not given any credit for it? Or are you not willing to give without being given credit for giving? Think about it. Are you not willing to fast and pray without anybody else knowing that we're fasting and praying? The Bible is very clear about these things. Matthew 6 says, But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly may be in secret. When you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you that they have the reward. This, whole, this series has been, what, what does it say in Hebrews eleven six? Without faith it is impossible to please God, and he's a, and he's a rewarder of those who what? What? Diligently seek the rewards? Diligently seek the gifts? Diligently seek miracles and signs and wonders? No, diligently seek Him. And so many times we, we want to go after, I want the reward. Well, if you're going to get the reward, you can't get it by going after the reward. You have to go after Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things shall be added to you. You know, have you ever seen those, those uh, have you ever been to an, a, a ceremony where they're honoring somebody that did a heroic act? You know, or you watch it on television, and they're, 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 there's somebody like, let's say a fireman, they, walk, they ran into a burning building, brought out a kid and the cat, and then they're, and they're standing before, and they're, they're coming by, and they're saying, thank you for your heroic act. And you know, so many times their response is, I was just doing my I'm not a hero. That's an attitude that we need to have as Christians. We're just doing what God's called us to do. We don't need accolades. We don't need ribbons. We don't need, uh, oh, hey, look at him. Look, oh, they're so awesome. You know, we've become a lot, we've become a, a culture of celebrating celebrities. And I'm not talking out in the world. I'm talking about in the Christian world. Oh, we elevate all these people. Oh, have you seen him? We've got to run to this. We've got to listen to them. We've got to this. And we give, oh, we're giving accolades and accolades and accolades. Then you go home and you go back to your same old life and you're doing the same old stuff and you haven't been changed at all. But you go after the celebrities. Romans 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is what? Your reasonable service. Quit waiting for somebody to come. Oh, oh, thank you so much. Oh, that was awesome. You know, you know what? Pastor didn't even recognize me. He didn't even say a word to me. He didn't come pat me on the back. Don't wait for me to do that. Then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. God will pat you on the back. He'll say, good job. He, he will. He loves us. And I may say it too, but I may miss you. And if you're waiting for that, guys, I'm telling you, you're waiting for the wrong thing. Your, your eyes are not fixed on Jesus. It says, see, it says, do not be conformed to the world. But the world says, get all you can, the, as much as you can, and get all the credit you can for it. That's why you get moved up the, the, the corporate ladder. You get more credit. You get more glory. And so you keep moving up. And like, oh, look how, oh, oh, they're so awesome. And our reasonable service is 
surrender, give it all to him. That's a reasonable service. He goes on to say, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought. And at the end of that, Romans 12 says, and God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So he sent all of that to say, and God's given you the faith. What are you bragging on yourself for? God's given you that. It's a reasonable service. So God has provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. I was looking at that verse and I thought, what does that mean? You ever read a verse and you just go, I don't get that. So here I am to give you layman's terms, my layman's terms. The idea of the perfect part is really complete is a better word. That they cannot be made complete until the work of Jesus had been finished. So they had a, there's a better covenant. They didn't know it yet. They were under the covenant of Abraham. They didn't know the better covenant, but they were living their lives like they knew there was one coming. Amen? Amen. So just as we are complete because of Jesus, he's saying in that verse, so are all the saints that came before us. They were looking forward to Messiah, and we look back. We're saved because of where we're looking and who we're seeing. So as we complete this study this morning, would y'all stand? Ministry team, get your positions all around. I really thought we might be here at about 1 o'clock with all those baptisms. <laughs> and at the end of the service, we're going to play a video uh, of the, some of the youth testimonies. So if you want to hang around for that, you can. But we just, uh, I think we need to take care of business here this morning before we go anywhere else. God is faithful. God keeps his promises even when it doesn't look like he has. See, he's asking you this morning, is your faith such a faith that when you don't see the answer that you want to see, are you still going to walk in faith? Because they didn't see the promises. Some of you prayed for people to be healed, and they weren't healed. As a matter of fact, they died. Well, they, they were healed. But we walk sometimes in disappointment. Disappointment keeps our faith from blossoming. Because we start wondering, did I have enough faith? Did they have enough faith? Listen, the past is the past. You need to walk in the faith, the now faith, today. Trust God today for what he's doing in your life. Something better is coming for us, even as Christians. We get the newness of life today. Remember they were raised up to what? Newness of life. We get the newness of life. We get the new creation today. But we also get newness of life when we enter into heaven. When we get our immortal bodies. Isn't that cool? So we, got the, we get so many blessings from God. Some of them are now. Some of them are in the future. But we are blessed by God. And he is faithful. And he will deliver us. And he will, he will always go, uh, accomplish what he set out to accomplish in our lives. All we need to do is yield to him. And I really, I, I just have to read this verse. Because in closing. I know I said in closing earlier. But y'all know what that means for me. I thought all, all of Hebrews 11, this great hall of faith, you can't finish there. You actually have to go into Hebrews 12. Therefore, say therefore. therefore. He's talking about all these people. He said, therefore, we also, the writer of he Hebrews, which I believe is Paul, but it, it doesn't matter. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and that's a, that's a mystery in and of itself. It could be the saints. of It could be, it could be angels. It could be anything but he's just saying there's there's this great cloud of witnesses he's talking about this great cloud of testimonies that we've just read 
we're surrounded by this, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance a race that is set before us. And here's how you have to run this race. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the author of our faith. He's the finisher of our faith. He started a good work in you and he will complete it. Isn't that, be- isn't that beautiful? For who for the joy was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. And you know what he's doing right now? He's interceding for you and you and you and you and you and everybody in this place. He's interceding for you because he says there's a better resurrection. There's a better testimony coming out of you. If you'll just stay the course, keep your eyes fixed upon Jesus. You may be a no-name all these guys that went through all that, they didn't get a name in the Bible. We may not get our name in Lights Church. You may not win that award for greatest Christian of the year. Are you willing to be a no-name, nameless, in the kingdom of God? Because I will tell you, somebody who does know your name, that's God Almighty. He knows your name. That's what's important. You may think I'm nameless. Nobody sees what I'm doing. God sees what you're doing. And you've got to do it for him and not for anybody else but for him. To God be the glory, great things he has done. To God be the glory. Would you bow your heads?